Welcome to the podcast, a podcast produced by the College of Applied Science and Technology at Illinois State University. I'm your host, Kara Snyder, and I serve as the Assistant Dean of Marketing, Communications, and Constituent Relations for the college. Each episode, we're sitting down with an alum of the college, and today we have a chance to talk to Tim Bassett. Tim is a technology alum and currently serves as president of Point Core Construction. Tim, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Kara. I uh, appreciate you asking me to be part of the podcast. I'm excited to have a conversation today. It's going to be fun. So let's start at the beginning. Why did you choose ISU? Uh, well, if I if I go back to the beginning, um, I was actually a non-traditional student, meaning that I was three, three and a half years removed from high school before I decided to start pursuing in my academic path. Um, I served active duty in the United States Army and had enlisted right before I graduated high school. So I was active duty in the United States Army as an infantryman for three years before I was honorably discharged and decided to uh, pursue an academic path. So all that to say, uh, I grew up in the central Illinois area near Peoria and East Peoria, as a matter of fact, uh, knew of Illinois State, knew that it was a really great institution. And my fiance at the time, my now wife, was attending Illinois State University uh, just finishing up her sophomore year when I decided to attend ISU. So um, ISU just made a lot of sense for me because it was in central Illinois. My fiance was going there. Uh, Illinois State is an incredibly veteran-friendly school, and I know you know that, and it frequently gets recognized for it. But the path for me to become a student at ISU as a veteran that was being discharged from active duty could not have been smoother. And that was a big part of the selection process. I considered going to a community college initially um, and kicked the tires on that. But ultimately, I decided, um, you know, after I got to know a little bit more about ISU, I had applied and been accepted that I, I wanted to start off at a four-year institution immediately. So that's really what led me uh, down the, the path at Illinois State. That's great. And I always read those headlines and, you know, talk to our staff. And I know that we're a veteran friendly school, but I love to hear that from a veteran. So that's fantastic. So tell us how you chose your major. Um, yeah, there's a, you know, another story there. But I was reviewing the different majors that were available to me. Um, and I wanted to do something that was hands on and obviously being part of the College of Applied Science and Technology most of our majors relate to pursuits and paths that are directly tied to it. So I considered some uh, some other opportunities, maybe down the business path with finance or accounting. Um, and then I, I found construction management. My fiance, now wife, Jenna, at the time, had heard about it from the time that she had been in Illinois State and had thought that it was a pretty good program based upon what she had heard. And so I started to do a little research on my own and realized that Illinois State's construction management program was one of the best in the country. And I always had a tendency when I was growing up, even in high school, um, you know, to take those shop classes and construction classes and woodworking and always be pulling projects together and considering, you know, how, how do you utilize the concepts that you're taught in school and put that into practice. Mm -hmm. And so I got to know about the program a little more, did a little research, talked to some people and decided that for sure was the path that would be best for me. So you've graduated, you have your construction management degree. What was your first job? And maybe even tell us what did that job search look like? Was that a stressful experience or did you happen upon it quick, pretty quickly? Um, so this, I graduated in December of 2009. 
And as we all know, the Great Recession occurred really in the latter half of 2008. And in the construction market, obviously, it's strongly dependent upon the economy. And I was very stressed as I was finishing up the construction management program. I was just heading into my senior year and literally watched the market crash for one of my classes at ISU. And, you know, understandably, my thought was, well, what does this mean for me and coming out of school at a time where the economy may not be the best, and especially in a, a market construction in particular, where it's strongly driven by uh, by economic indicators. So thankfully, between my junior and senior year, I was fortunate enough to find an internship with a general contractor based out of Bloomington Normal that focused and specialized in healthcare construction. And at that time, healthcare construction was one of the few sectors in the construction industry that was still awarding work and allocating capital to it. So I was very fortunate, first off, to find an employer that was willing to take a shot on me, even in an internship role. And I started working on healthcare construction in the commercial sector right at the onset, uh, almost immediately when I, uh, I started my internship. And so that led down the path of uh, me getting to take on more progressively complex and challenging projects as an intern. The office that I worked out of was relatively small, which meant that um, really anybody that that was based out of that office got to do a little bit of everything. And I couldn't have been more happy to be in that environment where my supervisors, if they felt that I was competent enough, or even if it might have been a stretch opportunity for me, they were willing to provide me with those opportunities to test myself and learn. Uh, and that internship led into my senior year of, of college. And at that time, my employer offered me a full-time role as an assistant project manager. And uh, as soon as I graduated, I went into uh, performing as part of a team on a $55 million bed tower edition in Bloomington Normal for a healthcare system there. Wow. Talk about hands-on experience. I love hearing stories like that where our students really get um, really get their hands on a project in their internship. And to have a $55 million project be your first one, I think that's not something everybody can say, right? No, I was very fortunate. A right place at the right time. And thankfully, uh, a company and some leadership that I had that uh, were willing to um, to take a risk, you know, especially in that economy when things are so challenging, you're strapped from a resource perspective and you have to be very diligent about what what the team looks like that you put into place. And uh, I was just very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. And you're right, it couldn't have been a better opportunity for me to learn on, especially a project of that size and scope. Oh, that's very exciting. And so you started as an intern, then an assistant project manager, and today your title is president. So fill us in on what happened in between. Yeah, it's kind of a meandering path, but um, you know, picking it up from that first role, uh, my first full-time role post-college, I I worked on that project as an assistant project manager for a general contractor construction manager. Uh, we were performing work for a health system at that time that owned the facility and were allocating the capital to it and had um, awarded us the contract to do it. So I had been on that project for about a year or so in the assistant project manager role. And the health system uh, that owned the facility was based out of Chicago and looking to establish a downstate Illinois presence with an internal planning, design, and construction team really functioning as an owner's representative uh, from a project management perspective. And so they engaged me and asked if I would ever be interested in um, helping to establish that department with the health system. And I got to learn a little bit more about the opportunity and 
ultimately decided that it was something that I could not pursue. And I ended up electing to pursue that role and became a project manager working for a health system that actually was delivering the project. So uh, shifted over from the general contracting side into an owner's role and performed that function for about four, four and a half years as a project manager, uh, implemented about $200 million worth of projects in that time for the facilities that I was assigned to, and a lot more expertise and exposure to really more of the strategy behind projects, especially on the owner side when it comes to creating the business case, all the different factors that go into budgeting for a project, not just the construction piece of it, but the planning, the design, the fixtures, furniture, equipment, all those considerations. Um, did that for, like I said, about four and a half years and then moved into a more strategic role um, as a director of facilities. And so at that point, I moved into the director role and became responsible not only for the planning design and construction piece, but also real estate, uh, facility operations and maintenance, which was entirely new to me. Um, but I elected to pick that up because it brought with it more progressive leadership roles. So at that time, I became responsible for a department of about 30 individuals with direct reports. I managed the vehicle fleet as well for the health system. And I, uh, I was able to fulfill that role and uh, learned a lot, especially as a new leader for about three and a half years. Uh, which time I, I uh, had an opportunity to move into a vice president role uh, and become responsible for basically everything at the health system that was non-clinical, uh, including all those functions I just talked about, in addition to housekeeping, food service, security, uh, clinical engineering, supply chain. I also picked up a couple of uh, clinical service lines too, including radiology and pharmacy. So one, again, one of those opportunities were uh, right place at the right time, and I, I tell young professionals this all the time and young adults and my students, um, you know, opportunity for you is probably going to come at the most inopportune time. And it's probably not going to look exactly like like you've planned it. And that's exactly the case for me. And I was very, very fortunate to uh, be afforded those opportunities and grow as a, a professional and a leader into those roles. And so I fulfilled that vice president role for almost four years. Um, and then became aware of the opportunity at Point Core Construction, where I'm privileged to serve as president uh, currently, where basically I could move into a role, be able to utilize all of my experience and skill set that culminated with me uh, being a, an executive in, in a healthcare administrator for a health system and lead a company that uh, is a healthcare company serving clients in our mission through industry leading program management, planning, design, and construction services. So it, it definitely came full circle for me, um, you know, at that time when I, I took on the role at Point Core about a, a little over a year ago. Yeah, isn't that interesting how just the timing of the recession and the happenstance of there being openings in healthcare construction really kind of led to this amazing path for you? And like you said, opportunities that you didn't really see coming, yeah. uh, but that you're passionate about and excel in. I always think that's so interesting. And I tell people all the time, you know, when I first started to think about my academic pursuits and what that would lead to, from a, a career, I always had in the back of my mind when I first looked at the construction management major that I would be building houses and it couldn't be much further from the truth as to where I am now. But uh, again, just a testament as to being at the right place at the right time and considering opportunities that may not necessarily entirely align with the plans that we have in our mind. I think that's a great lesson. So I heard you say when you were in the director role, you had 
30 people reporting to you. And obviously when you went to the vice president role and now as president, there's even more people in your reporting structure. Talk to me about your leadership style. And, you know, listeners, I happen to know that Tim is a scholar of leadership. I have been with him in leadership McLean County. I've been with him in the Organizational Leadership Institute here on campus through the College of Business. So this is something that he, you know, lives, but also studies and researches. So I'm very interested to hear your take on how you live this on a day-to-day basis. It's uh, it's kind of a passion of mine. And I tell people all the time, if I didn't do what I do now, I'd probably be an academic and study and teach organizational learning and development just because I'm so fascinated by it. But um, you know, my leadership style, if I were to classify it, is entirely that of a servant leader. Um, I've studied a lot of leadership. I've employed different leadership practices and have found that, at least in my my opinion, that um, servant leadership unequivocally is the most effective and rewarding. Um, one of my favorite quotes comes from a leader by the name of Max Dupree. Max Dupree was the former CEO of Herman Miller, which is a global furniture company. He's the son of the founder of it. And he has a book that's called Leadership as an Art. One of my favorite quotes from that book is uh, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you in between the leader is a servant. And that the first time I read that, it stuck with me. I've got it written down in different places and obviously have it memorized. But I found that servant leadership is the most effective and rewarding, as I mentioned previously. And I came from the military, um, you know, right after high school. In that environment, command and control is the predominant leadership style. Although there's plenty of servant leaders in the military, but I had seen in that environment what it requires and is necessary in the military to function in that regard, and then kind of adapted that into a different role, especially when I became responsible for other people. And uh, I found very quickly that if you're able to communicate well and others see you as a resource to get them what they need and give them a little bit of direction, it can be profoundly impactful. And that's something I've carried with me. I continue to evolve and learn and hone my leadership skills. And uh, at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that everything I do is within the context of helping others uh, in accomplishing what they need to get done in the greater good of the organization. So thinking about our students who, you know, they have reading for class, you know, if they had time to add one more book to their stack, or if they had a minute to listen to a podcast, are there any resources that you would recommend to them? Maybe a favorite leadership book or a podcast that you think would be impactful as they prepare to make that transition to the real world? Sure. Um, I'll be honest. I don't podcast a lot. I like to read a lot. Um, But there's three books that I keep on my desk. And one of them for sure, I would refer students to, and I have referred a number of students to, and it's time-tested, but it's called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's one of the, uh, what I consider to be the manuals for not only servant leadership, but effective communication. Uh, I believe this book was written in 1932, if I'm not mistaken, the first edition. Several editions that were issued well after that, and uh a lot of the principles taught within it stand today just as true as they did back in the 1930s. So that's one resource I definitely would recommend. And it not only applies to leadership, but just communication, uh, people skills. A lot of folks in sales utilize this book, but I think it applies to leadership and just life in general. 
Oh, that's a great recommendation. Thank you so much. And our students, thank you too. Uh, and I know you're able to connect with our students. Uh, remind me where they can find you when you are in Turner Hall on occasion. Yeah, um, so I've been very fortunate to teach as an adjunct instructor in the Department of Technology uh, since 2017. In fact, this last semester, I just finished up my six my six year teaching um, in the adjunct role. So I currently teach Tech 326, which is construction, finance, and accounting. It's a senior level course. So all of my students are all generally all, all seniors, some that graduate in December and some that graduate in May. Um, so I'm happy to say that I just wrapped up my uh, my sixth year teaching and actually hit a couple of milestones. One is uh, more than 300 uh, professionals that I've had the privilege to teach that are now in the industry, which is pretty exciting. And I also have to say I'm just fascinated with the overall the overall competence and quality of our students never ceases to amaze me. And this last semester that I taught is no exception to that. I'm very, very proud to be an alumnus from Illinois State University for a few reasons. One is because I'm obviously a product of that program. Uh, two is the alumni network that we have in place in care. I know you're a part of that. But third is our students and just what they accomplish, not only while they're pursuing their academic uh, careers at Illinois State, but what they do afterwards, it never ceases to amaze me. And I reassure everybody that I speak with on every occasion that I get that we're in really good hands because of our students and the futures that they have ahead of them. Well, thank you for that, Tim. And I will, you know, I think it's important to note here that our alumni network is strong because we have alumni like you that are willing to spend time on campus, spend time with our students and share their stories. So I do want to thank you for that. So I am super curious in your role as president, and I know it's a relatively new role for you. What is your favorite part of your job? Uh, for me, it's just being a resource to others, um, providing that direction, working within teams to accomplish things that are challenging. Um, there's nothing more exciting than when a, a challenge is presented or an obstacle is presented, and we don't know exactly how we're going to achieve it or overcome it, but at the end of the day, we figure it out just because of the mindset that we have in place. So that's um, that's the probably the most rewarding part of, of my current position and being able to serve others. Um, you know, there's this, sometimes this misconception, the higher you climb, the more that people have to listen to you. And I would flip that upside down and say, you know, there's more responsibility that comes with it to enable others. And that's really how I've embraced my role. I uh, kept myself grounded and really focused my role and uh, myself as a resource to others through that lens. That's great advice. I love that perspective. And so then tell me on the flip side, what is the most challenging part of your job? The most challenging part is the time. Um, knowing where to spend your time, how it's best spent, when to delegate to others. There's only so many hours in a day and only so much that you can spread your, your influence throughout. So being able to manage time is critically important in my role, and that gets to be a struggle. Even if you know um, on any given day or any given week, generally where your time should be spent, there's going to be competing factors that come into play. And so it's a constant reprioritization of time and uh, understanding where it's best suited. But if there was a, few, a way for me to make a few more hours in the day, let me tell you, I certainly would. Uh, <laughs> time management is a critical skill. It's something that I, uh, I have to stay on top of in order to function and fulfill my role in its uh, entire capacity. Well, give me a call if you figure out how to add those extra hours. Yeah, I'll let you know when I find that day. <laughs> and in the meantime, 
what would you say to our students? You know, I know when I interview students, if it's for an internship or a job or even a scholarship, I always ask about their time management. If you had to give a student one piece of advice about starting to manage their time well now, what would you say? Uh, that's a good question. And I think it's not this not only applies to early careers, but those that are more seasoned is just create a list of your priorities and really hone in on the top one or two and ensure that your time, for the most part, 80 plus percent of it is spent on those one or two priorities. Oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this, just like anybody else, I find myself conflating activity with progress. And just because one is busy doesn't necessarily mean that they're moving the needle and working on the right things or the most, the, the highest priority things. And so that's the biggest piece of advice I would give students as well as seasons, uh, seasoned professionals is to know what your one or two top priorities are and ensure 80 to 90% of your time is spent on those one or two priorities. That's fantastic advice. I love that perspective that activity doesn't necessarily mean progress. I think that's a really eye-opening way to look at things. So Tim, we are going to finish with a speed round. So just go with your first instinct on these questions. We want to get to know you just a little bit better. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Uh, night owl, for sure. Not even a question. <laughs> and cats or dogs? Uh, I like dogs, um, but interestingly enough, ironically enough, I don't own a dog. We own two cats uh, at our house. I'm a little bit of both, but I would have to say personally, I'm probably more of a dog person. Well, I won't tell your cats. That's fine. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert? Inter interestingly enough, I consider myself to be more of an introvert. Um, I definitely can communicate and talk with people, but um, at times I, I just need to be quiet and have time to myself. I think we're all a little bit that way, but I would probably class, classify myself as an introvert. How do you build that time in your busy schedule? You know, I know you have a very full family life. Your job keeps you busy. How do you build that, build that time in to recharge? Yeah, I found as my time becomes more constrained, just taking half an hour uh, or an hour or wherever I have it to maybe read a little bit or just enjoy the quiet, uh, clear my mind, meditate a little, even in the car, honestly, windshield time I find is is probably the best for me just to refocus and um, try to put things in perspective. But it's definitely a challenge. And if you're not intentional about it, uh, you definitely will, will have a hard time trying to find time to do that. Absolutely. What's your favorite thing to cook? It's a really good question. Um, I... This is a tough question for me because I like to cook a lot. I do, I, I barbecue a lot, but I would say I'd probably have to go with uh, a rack of lamb prepared on a, a charcoal grill. It's absolutely delicious. Nice, nice. Okay, and I know we've talked a lot about reading today, so I think I know the answer to this next one, but given the choice, book or movie? Book, for sure. You got it, you got it. All right. If you have a free Saturday with no obligations, how do you spend it? Well, we'll get back to the cooking theme. Um, I'm If I have a free Saturday, usually it's spent uh, on my patio out in front of a smoker or two trying to pursue the perfect barbecue recipe. Nice. Well, I wish you, you know, good weather for that. Probably not in January, but. <laughs> yeah, not the most conducive in Illinois anyway. 
And then I have to ask everybody, Avanti's gondola or pub cheese balls? Oh, I'd have to go cheese balls. It's um, nothing, not a shot against the gondola because I think that's a staple and most alumni recognize that. But the cheese balls are just, I think, at a level in, in and of themselves. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Tim, thanks for spending time with us today. If you had one last piece of advice to give to a college student, what would you say? Um, I would just say be resourceful. Um, utilize everything within your disposal to learn. Um, take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you, not only at Illinois State, but what, whatever may fall within your career path. And you'd be amazed to see what, uh, what you can accomplish, not only individually, but as a team. That's great. Well, thanks again for being here. That was Tim Bassett, president of Point Core Construction. Join us next time on the podcast for more stories from our cast alumni.